Welcome to the Cybersecurity and Cloud Podcast, the podcast where we learn from cybersecurity experts how to stay safe, private, and secure on the cloud and in code. CSCP is hosted by Francesco Cipollone, your cybersecurity friend with a passion for all things cyber and sharing stories of other professionals with you. This episode is sponsored by AppSec Phoenix, the next generation application security platform, enabling organizations to run application security programs in a smart way. Visit www.appsecphoenix.com to learn more. Hello everyone, this is your host Francesca. In today's podcast, we're gonna speak with Alan. Alan is a long friend of mine. I touched base with Alan when I was back in the day facing some challenges as a CISO and it was quite an inspiration for me. So today we're going to touch uh, on a few elements like multi-factor authentication, how to start in cybersecurity, what part does a CISO take and what he is as a CISO looking forward for new hire. And we're going to open the floor to the question. So I hope you enjoyed it today's podcast and welcome. Hello, do we have Alan on board? Yes, we do. Hello, Alan. How are you doing? Good. Which part of the world are you right now? Uh, Texas at the moment. <laughs> Enjoying the sunny Texas. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure. I just got back from Nebraska where the weather wasn't horrible. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is better than London. It's 10 degrees outside. It's cold. It's, we have a little bit of sun, so okay. it's fine. We're pushing 95 Fahrenheit in Texas still. So. Oh, bloody hell, which is 10 <laughs> degrees Celsius. <laughs> it's cold. Yeah. In this cold weather, welcome to the Mentoring Monday or Mentoring Friday podcast. <laughs> we still Glad to be here. Glad to yes. be here. So, Alan, I think we met two years ago when you were, you were growing season. You were mentoring a little bit. Uh, yeah. Me. And that's definitely a topic that I want to explore. But what keeps you busy right now? What keeps me busy right now? What doesn't keep me busy right now? Um, I just finished my master's degree, so I've got that off my plate finally. Um, <laughs> so I have, a, I have a master's under my belt now. Um, not so sure I needed it at this late stage in my career, but I wanted it and I went and got it. So now I have so should that. should I call you master or doctor? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the PhD. Oh, that's another thought altogether. But what is keeping me busy? I'm uh, I'm at NTT Data Services now. I'm the delivery CISO, which means I'm the CISO not in charge of our own internal landscape, but the customer landscape, which means I'm really a CISO with a very, very, very large estate that I'm managing, which is fun, but also has me traveling a lot and has me working various crazy hours because I've got clients all over the globe. So, you know, it's, it's a very, very global job, but uh, having fun with it, having a lot of fun. So shall we do the 10 second suggestion? And considering it's a cyber awareness month, I think we're just closing off the first week of security at home. You want to give an advice? Yeah, I, I think I think my 10 second advice for cybersecurity awareness month is um, cybersecurity awareness is is important to all of us. Cybersecurity is important to all of us. The responsibility and the ownership are on far more than just us security practitioners. Uh, if there's one thing you can do for awareness month, if it's drive ownership, drive ownership into the hands of everyone else in your organization, everyone else in your personal lives, teach them that, hey, you're you're responsible for most of this, not me. Um, and not the other security professionals. You really need to get the ownership there and, and giving people personal stories, 
walking them through real stories from the real world of, hey, this person didn't do X and bad thing Y happened, making it personal and and making it owned by the personalities in your lives. I think that's probably my 10 second tip. That's great. Actually, that that leads leads straight into one of my questions is how, for example, we were were sponsoring with Tanya and and a few other guys of how do we make multi-factor more available for everybody and i think everybody in, in this month is making a good example so i think uh, electronic arts is is giving one month for free of games if you enable multi-factor on your account and that's a great way to, to make to incentivize people on on doing security that is but fantastic as, as, we, as you were saying, Alan, how do we make the customer asking for security things? Because if all your customer is going to ask you for a security feature, what are you going to do? You're going to just turn to the board. It's like, I guess we need to enable that feature. Right, right. right? So I'm, I'm looking at my phone right now and I'm counting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven 2FA applications on my phone. <laughs> so, but we're and, security people. Right, that, that, that doesn't count. To, to be You're fair, one of them is fork. Google, and Google has more than one entity in it. Right, I've got like three or four different entities using the same Google Authenticator. But I think maybe um, you know, I think EA is doing a great thing. Encourage people, you know, incentivize people to use it. It, it saves everybody hassle, right? I, I think EA mm-hmm. probably takes a lot of support calls from a lot of frustrated gamers that had their whole account jacked and now they can't even log into their own stuff and EA's got to do the tracing and tracking and verify, yes, it's really you and the other guy really isn't you. And it, it, it saves the company a huge burden, not just the individual to have that kind of MFA. But I would suggest that getting ourselves uh, towards a more uniform MFA and not having to have the seven apps, one of which is running three sub, sub apps, <laughs> maybe that's a good start is let's come up with a universal open source uh, 2FA standard for the phones, right? And, and don't I forget like all it. the MFA that's happening via text messaging to my phone as well. That's probably another 14 accounts. So that, that's another interesting question because the, we demise the two-factor authentication via SMS because it's unsafe because it's really easy to clone an SMS or, or a SIM or do we keep on pushing because that's still MFA. That's still better than nothing. It's it's better than nothing, but I would argue that application based, you know, the the RSA style algorithm, punch in the magic code that expires in sixty seconds. I, I think that's preferred, and I think encouraging all the entities in your life to go to something beyond SMS is really good. I've noticed too that usually the entities that only offer SMS, as opposed to an application, also tend to offer make an actual phone call. There's a there's a variety of things. They'll dial your yeah. phone and you can punch in codes. So it's not it's not the best, but it's certainly better than nothing. So shall we shall we just push for more MFA for everything and then the market is gonna drive for standardization, honestly. It's like people is gonna start complaining, why do I need five apps for the same thing? Why do I need five five apps for my five banks? Why can't I right. achieve one? Yeah, exactly. And actually I was having a conversation with my mom. It's like, why do I need my mom was asking, why do I need all this security? And and she's right. It's like let's try to make it as, as frictionless as possible. At the moment, security and, and banking is, is, is still scrambling and trying to figure out a way to actually make security better for for individual. Sh- shall we do that by regulation? Shall we do that by adoption? I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, not, not getting into the, the debates of free market versus regulation and all of that, like ignore <laughs> all the politics and put all that aside. At the end of the day, consumer pressure is real. Um, yeah. If you go to your bank and say, hey, you guys are insufficient, I'm, I'm closing my account and I'm going to the bank down the street who has real security, that speaks volumes. 
This episode is brought to you by the generosity of AppSec Phoenix Limited. AppSec helps startups and enterprises solve complex software security problems by using smart data aggregation and complex machine learning software. Discover how AppSec Phoenix helps CISO and developers remove friction and maximize the use of DevSecOps professionals at www.appsecphoenix.com. AppSec Phoenix is the new and smart dev-first way to manage your software vulnerability. Follow the tag, hashtag AppSecSmart. And I guess you in your new role can can really feel that. It's like you, you customer facing all the time. Yeah. So as a, uh, that, that's an interesting role because I think I, I want to cover that because we cover diversity, we cover mentorship, we cover the other topics. I think it's the, the customer CISO or, or the customer facing CISO is, is a new function right now. We, we used to have professional service, but I, I rarely saw a customer CISO or customer facing CISO. So what? What's your suggestion? What you saw? You saw both aspects of a CISO. So, what's yeah. what will be the difference between the two CISOs? Yeah, you know, I've bounced back and forth across that line my whole career, mm. and I started as a as a CISO for a telecommunications company. You know, my first CISO job. Yeah, and we were a vendor, but we were a telecommunications vendor. But what we found was that security mattered greatly to our clients, and I was oftentimes called upon to speak to what is our security posture. I ran not just the internal enterprise security, but I also ran the product security program. In fact, I built the product security program there. And so I found myself in front of customers speaking to the security that I had, what I'd built, where I was headed, what was next, you know, roadmaps, et cetera. And it really resonated. The customers really appreciated it. So it became a natural extension for me to become a customer facing CISO in terms of product and services in the Mm -hmm. security space. Um, So it was was a natural transition for me. And at the end of the day, the skill set is still the same. At the end of the day, I'm still here to secure things and, and roll things yes. out and speak to standards and technologies and all these good things. Um, and there's also, I guess, sort of the client-facing piece of it that's a separate skill set you develop over time. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Joe Average CISO isn't necessarily the best guy to drag in front of customers. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just like some of your best engineers are not always the best guys to drag in front of the customers, right? No. You know, it, it's, it's a different skill set in its own right. But I think if you've made it to the rank of CISO, you've probably developed some good interpersonal skills. You've developed relationship building skills. You know more about the business in general. You know more about how to interface with other departments and other departments' needs. And so mm-hmm. translating all that to that client perspective isn't, isn't a real big leap. But that's, that's actually an interesting topic. So I, I, I keep on banging the drum that we need more speaking engagement as CISO. We need more face-to-face. We need more marketing skills, sales skills, communication skills overall. And I haven't seen a lot of master program. I mean, you just came out from, from your master. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, have, you seen, have you seen a lot of stress on that side? So what's your, what's your point of view? A, a good about? master's program that's offering some of those soft skills as well as the technical skills, um, it's almost a hybrid degree. And I've seen hybrid degree programs out there where you mix the technology with, with essentially an MBA type program and you smash mm-hmm. the two together and it's kind of a 50-50. I think that's a great place to start. I don't know that those programs are emphasizing the soft skills as much as they could because usually when you when you bring those two realms together, you're focused more on the finance and the and the uh, you know those aspects of MBA accounting and finance aspects, but I think those soft skills are there and leadership skills need to be taught. My undergraduate degree is actually in liberal arts, mm-hmm. but I did a custom program where you got to focus on what you wanted to do throughout the program. Every every single class in that undergraduate program that offered uh, an opportunity to write a paper, uh, to do a um, a dissertation type you know activity, 
every one of those, I chose leadership as my topic. And so I went through a, a rather extensive, you know, leadership, you know, self, self-imposed leadership training. In my undergraduate career, I probably read 14 or 15 books cover to cover that were all on leadership. And I, I think there's value there. I think the soft skills definitely are underemphasized in our field. I think liberal arts has a lot more value that it brings to the table than people realize. And I think leadership and soft skills are, are things that can definitely be learned and trained and, and built up just like any other skill. I, you know, people argue that leaders are, you know, born, not made. And no, I, I, I think it's true that some people have a natural head start. But I believe everybody can master the skills and, and further their leadership skills and, and get to a better place than where they started if they don't consciously apply themselves. I agree. I agree. And, and even before leadership, it's just communication, just base communication, human to human. I mean, I'm dealing right now with an organization that's spread across 64 countries, uh, different culture, different language, different things. And we even face challenge of speaking to table down the road. So it just... I guess we're techie and, and we forget that communication is just, we still, we're still a human, we're still a human being that need to talk to another human being. And 90% of the stuff that I do nowadays is selling and, and talking to people and just convincing and this is actually the right thing to do. And it's just not even technical, it's just, it's just basic selling skills and basic human skill, how right. to deal with people. Right. And I think we must, I mean, in, in all my careers, in all my, my educational careers, I haven't touched this up until the late, late in my days, and I learn in the hard way. So learn on the job. And just recently, I mean, I joined, I joined Toastmaster, did public speaking, I ran up in that, and that helped massively because it helped yep. to relate to human being. Yep. Yeah, now and that I'm done with the master's degree. Yeah, now that I'm done with the master's degree, I'm actually looking at Toastmasters. There was a, I, I, unfortunately, I had to travel uh, this week on the day that they came through my company. There was actually signs mm-hmm. around the break room of, "Hey, Toastmasters is coming. You can come." And I wanted to meet with these guys and and maybe join. Um, so I'm definitely looking at that. I, I think everybody can improve their skills. It doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. I'm a, I'm a podcaster. I, I do public speaking uh, a lot. I still think I can improve. Yeah, no, I think, uh, and, and the nice part of, of public speaking is that you constantly learn. There is something that when you record yourself, you look yourself, is is always a new thing that you're going you're gonna to hit. You're going to hit different people. I mean, I speak in Europe, I speak in, in, in US. It's it's completely, I mean, it's so exciting for me. It's like, it's outside the technology. I mean, for me, it's, it's fascinating, the human aspect of it, but because yeah. it just, Technology is easy. Technology is the easy part of my job. Right. right. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny, you know, when you talk about getting a liberal arts degree versus getting, say, a computer science degree. Early on, I, I made the decision to embrace liberal arts. And, and the reason was uh, liberal arts teaches you how to learn. Liberal mm-hmm. arts teaches you how to think. Liberal arts teaches you that you can have multiple models of thinking and that those models may conflict and that you have to learn to resolve those conflict, you know, those conflicting moments between those models versus Getting a computer science degree is strictly vocational. It's stuff that you could learn yourself in your basement, um, you know, just hacking away. Buy a book, teach yourself, start yeah. writing code. You know, the, the hard skills, the technical skills can always be learned, can always be learned through any number of means. But I, th- I think a good solid learning foundation and how to learn foundation is probably a, a stronger necessity that, that you can't necessarily self-teach as well. But we have, we have a, short, a shortage of skills, so we... Whenever I'm hiring, I, I just I just see in, in in the hiring space that people are searching for unicorn, uh, just coming straight out of university. So we 
had to recognize that we need to have people switched on and landing on the job and just doing stuff. There is, yep. there is so much shortage that even for small organizations, they don't have the time to train people or to, to grow up people. I mean, from my personal perspective, I mentor this podcast is, is one of the, the elements of, of the mentoring thing. I mentor new graduates at work and stuff like that. But if you have an organization that can support this, like my clients, that's fine. But small organization need people to just land on the job and just do the job. Yeah. So, I mean, STEM and all, all, all the technical field teach you how to think logically, I guess. And as you said, you can always learn that, but it's actually hard to unlearn that, I find out. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and logical, have, logical thinking is a must. Don't get me wrong. Logical thinking is key. And I, I think I sort of came out of the shoot with a more left-brained approach towards life and having that logical thinking. So for me, all that, all that stuff I said about liberal arts was about strengthening my weaker side mm-hmm. as opposed to doubling down on where I was already strong. Um, and in the philosophy world, I took symbolic logic. I, I took some logic classes out of the philosophy camp too, which I thought was a lovely fusion of the two worlds, you know, left and right brain nice. coming together. But, but logical thinking and, and critical thinking are, are key. Uh, passion is key. Desire to learn and curiosity are key. Everything else can be taught, right? Yeah. You can learn anything, anything that you want, uh, ultimately. It's like, it's which one, I think... We are who we are because of the, cho- uh, the choices we make. Like it, it's like if I choose uh, a liberal art instead of a technical, I would be more. And, and my brain for me is like I was more creative uh, rather than more logical. So I decided to do a more logical training to teach me the, you know, to to think in scheme and and to think logically. So um, as you said, I was it would have been pointless for me to doubling down on on something that that would have been my strength. Error. So I doubled down on my on my weakness rather than yep. the, the technical. Yep. Hello again. And so we discussed the role of gaming and other insightful things with Alan, like Master and so on. And this is all for the first part. In the second part, we're going to explore a little bit more about the gaming parts, the hiring part, and how it's important really an MBA uh, in your in your career in cybersecurity. So I hope you've enjoyed this and you're going to listen to the second part. I wish you a great day or a great evening regardless of where you are. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please leave us a review on Apple Podcast and post it on social media tagging Cybersecurity Cloud Podcast for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Discover other episodes at www.cybersecuritypodcast.com.